from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and hope you're enjoying your beautiful and wonderful morning here on a on a Thursday. We're here on Thursday, January 16th of the great year 2020. I still can't believe it's 2020. I still write 2019. If you're like me, you do that for the better part of at least January, maybe a day in February, and then you eventually get it right. So <laughs> do what you uh, do what you got to do to remind yourself what year it is. But I have my moments. I definitely have my moments before I uh, get on track here and do what I need to do. But a happy Thursday to each and every single one of you, and I hope that you are uh, doing well and making the most of it. Hopefully this week has gone well for you. Uh, we know that we have been spoiled up here in Syracuse, New York. We have not been dealing with much snow, and then the snow came a call in today, and it looks like she's going to be sticking around for just a little while at least. There's going to be some snow happening here, and and that's okay. You know, we can deal with that. We can weather that storm uh, truly as we uh, as we go through it, it's supposed to snow today, and then I think tomorrow it's supposed to stop, but it's going to be like 17 degrees, and then it's going to snow Saturday, Sunday, and Martin Luther King Day, and hopefully you have Martin Luther King Day off, so even if it's snowing, maybe you can sleep and, you know, catch up on some fun stuff and do what you need to do, so hopefully, you know, that all works out. I don't mind the snow. I'm not a big fan of driving in it. I don't mind it, but you know, it's it's the driving part that I don't like. And that's that's the thing that I ask you all to be careful because it seems like people drive like idiots when it's snowing outside. So please just be smart and you know, leave 10 minutes early or 20 minutes earlier and you know, or God forbid if the weather's bad just, you know, send a message to the boss, let them know I'm on the road, you know, let her know what you're doing and and just be safe when you're out there because it's not worth your life or anybody else's. So make sure that you, uh, you you are safe today. As they said it would snow in the forecast, and the forecast did not lie, as it is definitely, definitely coming down already. And uh, we, we have had, you know, the opportunity to get away from it for a while, but now it is here, and it's going to be here for a few days. So please be safe. We're inside of MixLR, and now we're officially on facebook.com backslash live now DT. So you're watching and listening to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning, as you always do Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Watching on facebook.com backslash live now DT. Listening on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. And we appreciate you being here. Jam packed show today inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory proudly bring you what's popping. And what's popping today, Papa Joe is going to be starting off the show. And PJ is going to be talking with me about LSU and Clemson, the NFL draft, Joe Burrow, Ed Ogeron, a bunch of things that are going on, the transfer portal, and so much more. PJ and I are going to have a great first hour of the broadcast, at least here. And then at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time, I'll be joined by the man, 
2003 Syracuse men's basketball national champion Josh Pace will be joining the broadcast to let us know his thoughts on the current Syracuse team, what he's up to, what he's doing in the world, and of course his memories of back in 2003 and what he sees going on right now. So very excited to know that uh, PJ is with us right now and Josh Pace will be with us in hour number two as we round out today's broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So thank you so much for tuning in. And with that being said, we're going to hop right into it with PJ PJ and get talking about college and pro football. Papa Joe, how are we doing today? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's fine down here. I, I, I know that you and I have spoken about it off the air. I know that people in central and upstate New York are going to be upset. But please describe to me the weather in January down in that beautiful place that they call Florida. It's a little bit warmer than normal. And frankly, we need a few cold snaps to freshen everything up. But yeah, it's 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 80 degrees down here, which is July weather in uh, in January, which is not going to cut it really. We need some we need a, a frost here and there, but that, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. We have some to give you. If you ever need some cold, we definitely have enough to share. <laughs> so no thanks, bro. No thanks. <laughs> So as it is snowing here uh, in central New York, and I do want to give a a big time shout out to my, uh, I I have plenty of niece and nephew in this wonderful world that we live in. And my, my newest niece or nephew born today, LJ was born this morning at 837 AM Eastern time. Baby LJ is coming to the world. My best to Ross and to Abby and to Lorelai. Congratulations on the addition to your family. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to meet him. The crazy thing about it is 8.37 is such a random time. And that's exactly the time that I was born on Monday, October 21st of 1985. So my, uh, my nephew LJ born at the exact same time in the morning, 8.37 a.m. And, and Papa Joe, you know it's a good day when we bring new life into the world. Absolutely. Uh, congratulations on that. I'm sure you'll get down to see the little guy pretty soon. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited that... He's here. He's safe and sound. They and uh, and the family is very happy this morning. So uh, much love to LJ and to everyone in the family: Ross, Abby, Lorelai, and and everybody involved and in, in all the families involved. This is it's awesome. I really don't have words. It, those are the speechless moments of life. So we're here this morning. We got a lot to get into. <clears throat> a lot of college football and professional football talk to jump into. Let's go straight to the national championship, Papa Joe. Uh, what did you take away from the game? I mean, this this game was LSU's, and LSU was commanding it, and you know, then LSU was put in a position where Clemson was fighting back and trying to give themselves an opportunity, but ultimately they fell in the game. What was your overall take of how the game went, the direction that it went? Well, I think it's probably uh, it went the way everyone thought it was going to go. Uh, the one the pundits who share the same opinions that we do. Uh, Clemson started out. Well, uh, it looks like the Venables uh, had, had given Joe Burrow some different uh, defensive formations to look at when he broke his huddle, but that didn't take long for Joe to, to straighten them out and and eventually have his athletes take over the game. It was sensational athletes. I mean, I, I could probably say there's probably going to be 20 of those kids that are going to wind up going to be pro, and uh, you could see that the quality of football was so much better than what what we see during the year. It you know it, it really makes you uh, appreciate what they put on the field. Uh, LSU, uh, I mean, what can you say? I mean, they just 
they, they dominated. Once they got in the rhythm, they dominated. They probably could have scored a whole bunch more points too. But uh, Coach O sort of like put the put the plug on that. Uh, Joe Burrow was uh, he he was everything uh, that he was advertised. He he read read his defense as well. Uh, he uses he uses backfield well. Uses wideouts well, and they're white. You know, LSU's wideouts are about as good as Alabama's wideouts, and these these guys are big and fast and strong, and they can go up and get a ball. It, as is Clemson. I mean, T. Higgins for Clemson is no slouch either. I mean, but Clemson just didn't have the firepower that that uh, LSU has, and it was a, it was a pleasure to watch. And you know, you, you watch something like this, and you see uh, how <coughs> how the season transformed for. For Clemson, they started out, you know, really slow, and then they started picking it up. And they're playing their best football at, at the end of the year, which is what they're supposed to. And uh, LSU, from the get-go, started beating the heck out of everyone, and they didn't stop. So, you know, all sorts of records said it was a fun game to watch, and the, the best team won, and uh, that's that's the way it should be. I, I don't think that if they played uh, if they played ten times, uh, uh, LSU would probably uh, win nine of them. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing, you know, this LSU team has really grown under Coach O, and, and they've done so much to get to where they are, and Clemson is no slouch, and Clemson is a team that, you know, obviously has commanded a lot of respect, and rightly so, but the team that they played this year in LSU, just just a different team, and, you know, LSU had never been to the college football playoff since its institution in 2015, they had never won a game in the playoff, and they had never won a championship in the college football playoff, the last championship they won was with Jamarcus Russell as their quarterback in the BCS. So, you know, what can you say about that, that this is the first year that LSU made the college football playoff, got their first win when they defeated Oklahoma, and then and then won this this uh, national championship. They achieved three things in one season under Coach O, just what you could say about how they ran the table to 15-0 and in this one. Well, it's, it proves that Coach O's got some good coaches, even though he's going to loses quarterback coach uh, Brady is going to go to Carolina uh, to delve in the pro game. But Coach O, uh, you know, over the years they've made fun of Coach O. I mean, Coach O is Coach O. I mean, he's a right. he's a gregarious guy. He's a happy-go-lucky guy. He talks. He looks like a Cajun. He talks like a Cajun. You can't understand him, but uh, he's he's a pleasure. But what the guy is, he's smart. I mean, he's he's no dummy. He's been around. He's been in and out of uh, several forms of football. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He puts he put together a great uh, uh, staff of coaches over there, and uh, then they found a quarterback that absolutely loved the system that they put in. And uh, I'm not saying that Joe Burrow could have done that for for any coach, but he did it for Coach O. He did it for Coach Eschmacher and uh, and Joe Brady. So uh, congrats to them. Uh, Joe Burrow, watching him play. Uh, he reminds me of a, a younger Tom Brady. He, he was he, he stood in the pocket. He, he read his he read his defenses. He had sometimes he had a third and fourth option. And you know you give Joe Burrow four seconds and he's going to complete a pass. If you give him five seconds, he's going to score a touchdown. So uh, nothing nothing surprised me at all. Uh, what's what should, sort of like a quasi surprise was that Clemson's defensive backfield uh, wasn't as competitive as I thought they would have been. Uh, even though you know LSU has superior athletes, <clears throat> you know once you once you see these games that they unfold, and I've always told you my feelings are that if you see the line of scrimmages, you know both offense and defense. Whoever holds the line of scrimmage is going to be 
is going to be come out on top. And, and we saw Clemson's defensive line really control uh, the first five minutes of the game. That's before Burrow and the boys got un- unhooked. So uh, it was fun to watch. It was a well-played game. Uh, and the victor uh, is not a surprise. Yeah, you know, and, and speaking here with Papa Joe this morning, talking about the national championship game in the college football playoff between Clemson and LSU, you know, th- this, like you said, it went the way that we thought it was going to go. Uh, you and I had LSU as the number one team in the nation for months now, and they obviously showed exactly that and, and what they're capable of and, and what they are and, and what they've done this year. Uh, it's been a fantastic season, but, you know, we, we had this situation where Coach O was the interim head coach, and it was, you know, is he going to be the guy? Should he be the guy? You know, there, there was the, you know, a lot of times the interim head coach is just a, a space filler. He just, you know, he or she takes up the spot for a short amount of time before ultimately somebody is hired to the position. That didn't happen this time around. They decided to keep him. And you know that, you know, not everybody was excited and not everybody was, you know, going for it in in the beginning. And, and there is that talk of, you know, did they make the right decision? And why would LSU go in this direction and whatnot? So, I mean, go back to those moments because I know you watch everything closely. Go back to that moment when he was hired and, and just how he was treated to where he is right now because he wasn't the, you know, consensus everybody wants him to be the head coach at LSU when they decided to keep him from the interim job and move him into the full-time job. Yeah, he did, you know, they, they were trying to break it down and, and make, make it sound like he was an idiot. Well, you know, he's got experience. I mean, he just because he's a different kind of guy, could talk differently. He's he's just he's a winner, and he can recruit. He doesn't have to go far outside of Louisiana and Alabama and Florida to get the teams that he wants and the kids that want to play for him. Uh, now, the proof in the pudding is going to be next year, and I just read on ESPN this morning that seven of uh, the starters of LSU have, are going to go in the draft. Uh, including a running back and, of course, Joe Burrow and some offensive guys and defensive guys. So, and her wide receiver, Jefferson, who uh, was one of the stars also. Uh, <clears throat> Coach O uh, is an unusual guy. He's uh, he's the kind of guy that uh, I often use this term a lot is when he can walk into somebody's kids' home's kitchen table and sit down and talk to Grandma like Nick Saban and say, listen, I'm going to take care of your son. And I want him to come to LSU, and that's what he does. He's a great, mo- great motivator, and he's a he's a wonderful recruiter. Coach O did nothing wrong. Uh, now, unfortunately, his his standard is set so high that he's going to have to really wheel and deal next year to get a team that's anywhere remotely close than the one he had now. Uh, it, and that remains to be seen. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing is once you win the the especially in the SEC. You got to win all the time. You win a national championship and you're an SEC team. The expectation is that you win a national championship every single year. So, you know, Ed Ogeron, he, and he knows because his predecessor, Les Miles, had an 81% winning percentage and was fired because he lost three games in a row, despite the fact that he had an 81% winning percentage. So it kind of a, a crazy thing there, but that is the SEC. Now, Coach O, when he originally started, he was at Ole Miss he went three and eight at Ole Miss, then four and eight, then three and nine, six and two at USC, uh, six and then six and two 
when he took over LSU and then nine and four and then ten and three and fifteen and zero. So if you look at the grand scheme of things, started off his career wasn't wasn't that great. You know, didn't get a, a ton of things done at Ole Miss. Obviously, had more Syracuse years at Ole Miss, and then at USC he it was six and two when he stepped in. Six, but you look at LSU. He goes from six wins to nine wins to ten wins to a perfect season of fifteen and zero. He's only trended up. So the expectation, like you said, is that he continues on that path. So just bring me into the catch twenty two of that. He's only gotten better at LSU, which proves why they should keep him and proves why they hired him. But at the same time, now that he has only gotten better, the ceiling is high. Well, I think uh, he's got some. He's got some problems. Uh, anytime you have a, a season like they've had, or when Nick Saban does, or even Devil Sweeney is that, you know, your coaches are going to uh, go on to bigger and better things. And uh, unfortunately already for Ed is that his passing game coordinator, uh, Mr. Brady, is uh, is going to go to Carolina with the Panthers. Now, we don't know just how much of an influence this man has been uh, on the program. We only, we only surmise and we only read what we hear. And we don't know how important this guy actually was. I probably think that he was very important. And when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who's an older man, uh, he's going to be 24 in a, in a couple of months or next month or something like that. He's, got, he's already got his master's degree. He's a smart man. He's a, he's a man. He's not a kid. And uh, he, he and Joe Brady got along perfect. I mean, and he said, listen, this is what we want to run. We want to do this. We want to do that. And Burrow says, yeah, I can do all that. So, uh, Coach O is is going to be facing possibly uh, a coaching situation where he's going to have to come up with another, shall we say, passing game coordinator, whatever you want to call it now, uh, and to see what he can melt, uh, match with uh, next year. I don't know who's taking over the next year's quarterback. I, don't, I haven't read too much about that, but certainly the, the coaching staff that he puts together uh, from henceforth uh, is going to be very important. Well, and, and that's the thing, speaking here at Papa Joe this morning, as we do our segment we do every Thursday in hour number one, you're on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, whether you're watching on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT, or you're on MixLR, listening in, mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT, inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East, the largest walk-in closet for men in central New York, so make sure that you head over to Charney's, get what you need today. And by the way, I put up some pictures on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram of Charney's winter jackets and gloves and scarves and all that. Uh, Now would be the day to get some because it's cold as heck. It's snowing. I can hear the plow outside of the studio. And not only that, it's going to be cold tomorrow, and then it's going to snow for at least three days in a row. So your time to go to Charney's is right now. 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. I was there yesterday, and I need you listen. Warming, you gotta you gotta warm up, you gotta stay snug, and they got you covered at Charney. So get your get your butt over there now and get what you need because it's only gonna get a little bit colder before it gets warmer, folks. So make sure that you you get over there and do what you need to do. PJ and I are discussing at Ogeron and LSU and and, and Papa Joe. I mean, th- th- again, there's there's so many angles to this. Joe Burrow did what he did, but he's moving on. You know, so many players on this team, LSU, came up the system and up through the program, and they're moving on. There are coaches that are moving on because when you have moments like this, if your eligibility is up, then obviously you have to go. 
but if your eligibility is not up and you win a national championship, you got to strike while the iron's hot. If you're an assistant coach under Coach O and you have an opportunity to go somewhere else and make some money and build a path for yourself, you know, they, they capitalize on the iron being hot as well and they're going to move on. So just what you know, what you can say about this because the expectation is going to be high at LSU, but fans, which, you know, they don't always get it because they think that, oh, well, we won, so we're going to win next year. They're going to be without a bunch of their players and they're not going to have the same coaches out there as well. So just just what you can speak on about about that piece of it, that, of course, the bar is going to be set high for LSU, but they're going to be without a bunch of key players, and they may be without one, two, three, four coaches when all said and done. So, you know, it's, it's going to take some time to essentially build this thing back up again, and the SEC is expected to never have a rebuilding year for any of their teams, yet the reality of it all is guys are leaving, guys are capitalizing on the win, and they're going to have to fill those spots, and they're going to have to find the right people to do it. Well, that's true. Uh, I think uh, this transfer portal is really getting to gripe my ass. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like it at all. I don't. Uh, I think it's unfair. Un- well, let's put it this way: it's not unfair for the kids that have already graduated who want to go to another school and and do well and maybe get to the pros. What gripes me is that. That these guys, these transfer portal guys, who they think they are, is that they can play three or four games, and they can't play more than four games. And if they, and they'll play three or four games for their team, and maybe the team's not doing so well, and I say, whoops, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm going in a transfer portal. So they leave the team. Yeah. Uh, leaving, leaving the coaches an alert. That's what happened in Houston, which is really unfair when four of those guys did that. Uh, just like anything in college, in colleges with the NCAA, it's gotten out of hand. It's way out of hand. And if they don't rein it in, and maybe they gotta, uh, they gotta tweak the requirements a little bit more, and and uh, try to figure this out a little bit better. Because these guys, these guys will be like pros. They'll be selling themselves to the highest bidder that wants them to play quarterback, defensive end, or something for their school. It's not, it's not right. It's not fair. Uh, I, I give the kids the only kids that I'm giving it. Uh, a shout out to, as you say, is that the guys that have already graduated uh, with a degree, they have it in hand, and they can play here somewhere else. Uh, that's what happened to uh, our quarterback of Florida, Lupe Frank, uh, <clears throat> and he's going to—he's he's sell himself to the highest bidder, if you want to use that term, uh, just like I did at Meacham over there. His <clears throat> uh, Felipe Franks was a, a good quarterback for Florida, and. Yeah. Went into the transfer portal, and uh, Coach Dan Mullen suggested, "Why don't you go visit uh, Leach out there in uh, Washington State? Because he's the one that really can groom quarterbacks. And if you want to, you know, I throw for four thousand yards and lead the lead the nation in passing, you can go out there and get to the pros." Well, what happens is that Leach takes the Mississippi State job. Now you're in the same conference as Dan Mullen, so I'm not sure. Dan is, is telling Felipe what to do, but <laughs> yeah. uh, Felipe's probably going to go to Ole Miss with Lane or uh, <clears throat> Mississippi State and say, listen, I'm available. I'm a big, tall, strong guy. I can throw the rock all over the place. Uh, that, to me, is legitimate because he's got a degree in hand. But the other situations that I read about, it's not fair. It's not fair. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing. You know, somebody doesn't want to play or they don't like the situation, they jump around. And in the case of De'Ara King and some of the other players that you had mentioned with Houston, 
you know, that, that was it, you know, all year long, I spoke with Dana Holgerson about it in his first year back at Houston. And he stated to me, you, you know, we're not worried about these guys, you know, we're, we, you know, they're here, they're in practice, they're helping the team out, but you know, they'll be here with us next year. I try to talk to him as much as I can, but he let on that, you know, I don't think De'Ara King or any of these guys are going to leave. And then De'Ara King just puts on his Instagram, you know, and, that, and, and hopefully he alerted the team because sometimes guys do and sometimes they don't. But, you know, just the, hey, you know what? I'm going. Thank you so much. And, you know, and it's it's during the college football playoff or after the college football playoff. So, you know, everybody, the nation's kind of watching that. And then you find out, oh, well, I don't have a quarterback next year. A quarterback that if he had stayed healthy a couple seasons ago was on pace to break a bunch of records. A quarterback that, you know, can give me over 5,000 yards, you know, in his career so far. A quarterback that can get me multiple touchdowns and minimize you know, his mistakes and whatnot. If you, if you go and you look at what De'Ara King has been able to do for Houston and what Houston's losing, and, I, and I'll tap into it right now, you know, for him to say, eh, you know, I think I'm just going to not play for you anymore, by the way. You know, they leave him with Clayton Toon and Logan Holgerson, who's the son of Dana Holgerson, and they've obviously done some recruiting. But, you know, this is a quarterback that in 2018 – had a 63.5% completion percentage, 36 touchdowns to six interceptions, 2,982 yards, you know, and, and those were, those were his numbers and he was doing well, you know, I mean, that was his best season. And that was a, a season that, you know, they, they were hoping, okay, he's going to get healthy again. He's going to build off of this. And then he just makes the statement, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go and try and figure out what else is going on. And, and that's the hard part because the transfer portal sometimes works. I mean, Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State. It wasn't working out there. He's at LSU. He's a national champion. So, you know, I mean, there are benefits to doing this. We see what Joe Field did when he when he moved from, you know, from where he was and, and, and made his move to, to get to Ohio State. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about these quarterbacks, especially because, you know, they're the ones we're, we're staring at all the time. And, you know, when, or pardon me, Justin Fields, I don't know why I said Joe, but Justin Fields, uh, 3,273 yards, six or 41 touchdowns to three interceptions this year for Ohio State. So, you know, Justin Fields makes the move. But then there's a guy like Tate Martell who puts himself down in Miami. He doesn't like that Justin Fields is coming into Ohio State. So he says, I'm going to go somewhere else. And that doesn't really seem to work out. So you never know how it's going to go. But I think, like you said, they got to police it a little bit better. Maybe look at the restrictions or the qualifications a little bit more because if the transfer portal has really become a, I don't really like what coach said to me on Friday. I think I'm going to transfer. You know, so I mean, sometimes it works. Sometimes in the case of Joe Burrow, it works. But in the case of Tate Martell, you kind of scratch your head a little bit because he never, you know, was he fight going to fight for the starting job or did he just want it handed to him? So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a positive and a negative to anything, and just like anything in life, Papa Joe, if you create it, people will find ways to use it for good, and they'll also find a bad way to use it as well. That's right. That's true. Well, well said. And those guys, that came from Houston, I wouldn't touch him now. I mean, he's not loyal. So I don't, you know, he's thinking about himself, which is fine. But I don't. Uh, I just don't. I don't like the whole thing. I don't like the whole deal. Every Justin Fields and Joe Burrow. There's a few other idiots out there that. Are, just trying to take advantage of things. I, I don't like it, Daniel. No, and they, and you know what? I mean, I've always been in favor of if a coach leaves a team, you know, because I, I saw it in the American Athletic one year. There was there was like three coaches that signed 
long-term deal. They signed these extensions and then, and then they all disappeared. You know, these coaches signing through 2020 and then they're not even there in 2018 or 2017 or whatever it may be. So I think in the case of if somebody leaves, then you have every right to do what you need to do and walk away. I mean, if a head coach goes, then I think that the transfer portal should be used by these players because they dedicated themselves to the, I mean, you look at Utah state, Utah state didn't just lose their head coach going into this, this past season, they lost the entire staff. He brought his entire staff to Texas tech. So if you're committed to Utah state or you're signed to Utah state and you lose everyone, not the head coach, not the position coach, not the recruiting coach, you lose them all then I can totally understand somebody saying, hey, you know what? I committed to Dino Babers. He's gone. I don't want to play here anymore. I committed to Mike Leach. He's not at Washington State. I don't want to, I don't want to play here anymore. You know, I committed to Coach O and his quarterback coach, and his quarterback coach is leaving. So I don't know if I want to go to LSU. Maybe I'm going to go to Ole Miss. Maybe I'm going to go to Florida. So I think the transfer portal is good for kids. When the coaches have no loyalty, then the kids should be able to make that decision because they've already been screwed over. But in the case where you commit to a coach and you commit to a school, you know, I think that there needs to be a little bit more head because in Syracuse's position, they had a quarterback, Chance Amy, who came in from, I think he was in the state of Texas. He came onto the team. He was behind two guys, didn't play a lick of football, and as a true freshman, left. Just in, in the middle of the night, gone. So, I, I mean, and he didn't, I mean, he had four years of eligibility left. He had plenty of time left. He could be competing right now for the job because we know we need help at quarterback. But, you know, he just went off into the night. So there are reasons that make sense to me. I think when coaches are not loyal, then those are moments where I think it makes a lot of sense. But you got to be smart in how you do it. And, and like you said, people abuse it. There's players that are on two or three teams in a span of four eligible years. And, and that's when I think it gets excessive. But college basketball does that too. And Syracuse has had multiple players in recent history that have been on three teams in five years or three teams in four years. Uh, you know, we know uh, from all our talks over the years that uh, the NCAA is a very complex entity. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not it's not for the faint-hearted, and, and they really they have to. Uh, first of all, they need to understand. They need to make these kids understand that they're trying to get an education somewhere. You know, just because you bounce, you know, if you're a good enough student and you get your degree and go somewhere else, somewhere else, but. You know, half of these guys can't stay eligible anyway, and they bounce around, and they keep forgetting that they're students first. And I think if the NCAA can address that, uh, maybe it'll help them a little bit, a little more down the road. Uh, I want to keep talking about Joe Burrow because not only does he did he have an undergraduate degree, he's got a master's degree, and he's all done playing football, and he's going to be a very rich man in another month. So kudos to him. But the rest of the guys, uh, they better think about what they're doing. They need an education before they start running around. Joe Burrow, 76.3% completion percentage, 402 completions on 527 attempts. Last season in 2018, his first season with LSU at quarterback, he had 379 pass attempts. This year, he had 402 pass completions. He had more completions this year than attempts last year. 76.3% completion percentage, 5,671 yards, 60 passing touchdowns to six interceptions. And when you look at the overall feel of it, he also ran for five touchdowns, 368 yards on the ground rushing. This man has been 
fantastic for it. He's breaking records. He doing he's doing all types of things. He accounted for multiple touchdowns in this national championship game. And, you know, we look at the fact he accounted for five passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. He was responsible in some way, shape, or form for every single touchdown scored by LSU. Did not throw an interception in the game. 31 of 49, 463 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, 58 yards on the ground, and a rushing touchdown. I mean, how do you get any better than those numbers? And you look at the game before with what he did when he was, you know, going up against Oklahoma. I mean, this is a man who already had the accolades, already had the Heisman Trophy wrapped up. He goes into the college football playoff, and he just continues to impress what he did in the championship game and before that against Oklahoma, 29-39, seven touchdowns, no interceptions in that game. As And, I mean, everything that he's doing has just been tremendous. I mean, seven touchdowns. In this game, he throws for no interceptions in the matchup, and he also, you know, ran in the game for another 21 yards and a touchdown. So he gets eight touchdowns in the college football playoff semi against Oklahoma, and he gets six against the Clemson Tigers in the national championship. Between the two games, 14 touchdowns in two college football playoff games, on top of everything else he had already done this year. Oh, he's a wonderful athlete. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't really look like a, an athlete. I mean, he, he's, he sort of looks a little wimpy when you first see him, but uh, he's got a mean streak in him. There's a, uh, a little article I read uh, uh, just a couple of days ago when uh, the, the season started for LSU and uh, the offense was going up against a defense. And, you know, when he scrimmages like this, you're really not supposed to whack around the quarterback. And uh, uh, he got hit a few times and he, he got up and started fighting some of the defensive guys. And, Right then and there, the, the LSU people knew that they had something special going on. Not only that, they went back to the scrimmage, and he dropped over 400 yards of total offense on LSU's best defense. So they didn't mess with Joe Burrow anymore, and no one messed with Joe Burrow at all this year. No, and that's the thing is, you know, how, how you go up against Joe Burrow and you're successful, uh, you know, people are still trying to figure it out, and the NFL is going to be trying to figure it out as – the draft will be approaching in just a few months for 2020, and Cincinnati is already on the clock. We're inside of Monpa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factories. What's popping? Letting you know what's coming up, the topics of the show. Papa Joe is with us here in hour number one, as he is every single Thursday. We're talking about the LSU-Clemson game, as well as Joe Burrow, the NFL draft, and so much more. PJ, to continue the conversation on Joe Burrow, Cincinnati is on the clock. If we look at the, the NFL uh, 2020 draft that's going on uh, that will be coming up here uh, very, very shortly here. You know, we, we look at the fact that uh, Cincinnati's number one, Washington is number two, Detroit is number three, then the Giants are right there at number four where they were last year. Hi. And then Miami's Miami's there as well in uh, Los Angeles. I'm sure Miami's pissed. They were hoping to, to get a little bit higher, I think, but they ended up at number five, and then Carolina will be at seven with new coach Matt Rule. Arizona got to eighth, which is good for them because they've had top picks lately. Uh, Jacksonville's number nine, and Cleveland is number 10. So if you're the number one pick in this year, I mean, if you have number one overall, do you take Joe Burrow? If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, do you do that? Do you make that move, and do you draft Joe Burrow, or do you go after uh, Chase Young or something like that? What do you do if you're Cincinnati, you just drafted, 
Ryan Finley, you put him on your team. Andy Dalton's days are numbered, but you got a phenom in Joe Burrow. What do you do if you're Cincinnati with a number one pick? Well, first of all, I, I, I am remiss to say that I, I want to say hello to my number one son, Meatball number one, because you're Meatball number two. Thank you, sir. Uh, he's, he's driving his truck, and uh, he's on his way from Atlanta down to South Florida and probably will be here sometime tonight, and uh, we'll uh, enjoy a nice weekend with him. So, Joe, drive safely out there, bud. Uh, to answer your question, uh, it, it's obviously he's should be the number one pick and probably will be. But it, Kansas, I mean, Cincinnati's brain trust, I think, has to determine what, what they need first. I mean, certainly they need a lot of help. Andy Dalton was a good quarterback for them for years. Uh, and from what I read, Andy is not the kind of guy that wants to teach anyone anything. So I don't think they're going to be hanging uh, Andy around. He, he can uh, maybe trade him to somewhere uh, where he can be a backup quarterback somewhere. Finley would be a good understudy. Uh, he's a good quarterback. Played great in college. I, I watched him a lot. He's, he's, Joe Burrow brings a lot to the table. Uh, Zach Taylor is an offensive-minded coach. He's young. I think he can uh, – he can. Uh, uh, get used to, to dealing with a younger quarterback and maybe Joe Joe has the, the propensity to to deal with a lot of things I mean he 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 has so much in his brain when it comes to, to football that, that he he's easy to coach and he's, he's sort of like a coach on the field even though he's a, a six-year senior but there's an and a master's recipient uh, I think that Cincinnati he's got a Tread very lightly here. Uh, perhaps maybe trade away to pick for an, another two first rounders or a, uh, the first round or the second rounder or second or third rounder, whatever they do these days to package a deal. Uh, if they think that Finley's going to be their future, then they have to stick with it. I think they can trade Andy Dalton for maybe for a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, but in saying that, if you're going to draft a guy like Burrow, you know. Be up front and say, listen, Joe, you're not going to have any honeymoon here, bud. We're going to throw you right into the fire. You put, at, from the day you get here, there's going to be no competition. From the day you get here, you're expected to run the team. You'll learn everything that we have to teach you, and you you got to go. You know, so if, and Joe's not – Joe doesn't seem to me uh, like he's uh, – has a uh, any problems with leadership at all. So it, it, it's something that uh, – they got to be up front, though. They got to say, well, listen, you will bring in, and you're going to have a quarterback con- uh, a competition between the other. No, 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 no. If you're going to bring this kid in, be up front and say, Joe, you're it. Good luck. Good luck with us. Let's hope. Let's make it work. Yeah, you know, and, and I think Cincinnati's going to do it. I, I don't think Cincinnati can afford another blunder in in their history here. I, I and you know what they. I mean, Marvin Lewis being the head coach there forever, and then they fire him, and then they bring him back, and they can't win a playoff game. And, you know, then everything with A.J. Green's been hurt and Andy Dalton's been hurt, and, you know, and, and it just – and Cincinnati was just awful this year. I mean, they couldn't get anything done. They had nothing to write home about. I think that they need a Joe Burrow. I think this is the time to do it. I think it's been a long time since somebody's – I mean, I'm sure that the fans were excited when Andy Dalton came in and they gave him a shot and they had some good moments with him, but Joe Burrow is one of those, you know, those jersey sales are going to skyrocket. He could potentially be one of those quarterbacks in the NFL that, 
you know, I got that vibe that this may be one of the guys that we're talking about that may live on forever, you know, with this and, and some good things to come of it. So I think Cincinnati's going to take the plunge. I think they're going to do it. And I, I think that, you know, that's going to be the number one overall pick, which leaves the Washington Redskins with Chase Young. And, you know, Washington needs a lot of help all over the place, but how do you how do you not take a Chase Young there if for some reason he falls to the Detroit Lions? They'll be ecstatic about it, but, you know, that'll be up here in the air. Justin Herbert from Oregon is is there. Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama, as as well as, uh, you know, Joe Burrow are there at quarterback. Do you see them going in the top 10? You know, you look at some of these mock drafts out there, and they have all of these guys going in the top 10. Uh, we know that Fromm has decided to leave uh, Georgia, and he's going to give his shot in the NFL as well. But when we look at the top 10 here, you know, Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, Joe Burrow, are they all worthy of being in the, in the top 10 this year? Absolutely. Uh, Herbert is the quintessential uh, quarterback. He's tall, strong, 6'6", 240, can run, got a cannon for an arm. You know, he's going to he's gonna do fine. You know, you get a, the press makes you believe things that they want you to read. Right. And Joe Burrow, from me following him over the last several months here, has been anywhere from 6'1 to 6'4", to 210 to 230. How big is he? We don't, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. what is the, you know, what, what, what is his actual height and weight? I mean, it's a couple inches makes a big difference. Right. When you've got a guy like Herbert, he can see over offensive linemen and defensive linemen. He can make those throws. Uh, does Joe Burrow have to move around in the pocket like Baker Mayfield or a little Kyle Murray? You know, maybe not. I don't know, but he looks like he's, he's big. So, you know, Cincinnati wouldn't go wrong with getting Herbert either. I mean, let's face it. I mean, these guys are uh, – Tua has a lot to – he's got a lot to uh, – he's got to – first of all, he's got to get healthy. And if he's going to start throwing for the teams in the next couple of weeks, uh, he's going to have to – he's going to have to really sharpen it up. Uh, you know, I'm going to make a prediction here. Tua is a, is a heck of an athlete. We saw him at his best. I saw him every weekend here down playing for Alabama. I don't think Tua lands in the top ten. Uh, I think that uh, Herbert and 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 Joe Burrow is is about it right there. So you don't those guys, think those two guys? Those two guys are ready-made professional quarterbacks. Tua, you know, he's a little bit shorter too, and he's not well. And I don't care how he how he works out. I, I just I, I don't see him. I don't see guys taking a chance on him right now. So you don't think that Miami, the the whole tanking for Tua and all that, you don't think Miami is going to take that that pick at number five? If Herbert's there, he'd, he'd be gone. Let me put it that way. Okay. Well, it's going to make it interesting as Tua will not be ready for the NFL Combine, but will be throwing for teams in April. So we'll have to see what shows out here as we get ready for the NFL Draft. You can make sure that that coverage of the NFL Draft will be with you for free on wakeupcalldt.com, so make sure you connect with us there. Papa Joe and I talking about the wonderful world of football this morning. PJ, we got a couple more things to get to. The college football put out their final rankings and the final uh, the final AP poll and the final coaches poll. LSU, this is how the AP and the coaches poll go at the end of the year. LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon for the top five. Do you agree or disagree with the top five? Because mind you, Oklahoma was in the college football playoff. Georgia was not. 
But Oklahoma, after losing to LSU, was dropped all the way to seven in the final AP poll and six in the final coaches poll. Agree or disagree with this? LSU obviously is number one. Clemson's number two. I don't think we're going to argue with that. Ohio State's number three. I don't think many people are going to argue with that. But Georgia put it four. Oregon put it five. Oklahoma outside of the top four after losing to LSU in the college football playoff semifinal game. Agree or disagree? Well, I'm a little biased here. I don't. Uh, I don't see Oregon. Uh, being put ahead of Florida. I think Florida is the, is the best two-loss team there is. And the reason Georgia is ranked ahead of them is because they didn't beat, they didn't beat Georgia. So uh, I look for Florida to be number five and, uh, you know, Oregon and uh, Oklahoma below that. You know, o- Oklahoma is, has been saddled with the last several years here about not playing good defense. And, yeah. you know, when, when you you just mentioned the teams on this, the top five, and Clemson's supposed to have – the best defense in the country this last year, and yet they got shredded by LSU. And LSU played Florida, and, you know, Florida played them tough. I mean, they lost, but they didn't get near as many yards as what uh, Clemson gave up. So, you know, these teams play good defense. Georgia, super defense. Florida, great defense. Uh, you gotta, you gotta think, you gotta think that way. I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see that wavering at all. Of course, I'm biased. I mean, I'm gonna, I want Florida as, as number five, and I think that's where they belong. Well, and, and you know, Oklahoma dropping as far as they did, I think that that's something that kind of gets thrown up in the air. You know, Ohio State loses, and Ohio State stays in the nation's top four, but the other team to play in the college football playoff doesn't make it there. Is that the right move to say that Oklahoma is six in the AP and seven in the coaches' poll after playing in the college football playoff? I, I would imagine that your your teams that play in the college football playoff are going to end in the rankings one through four, LSU one, Clemson was the runner-up, and then you figure out is Ohio State three or four, is Oklahoma three or four. That's how I thought it would go. Ohio State gets the respect and stays in the top three, but do you agree with a team that played in the in the nation's you know college football playoff game? Does it make sense to move them all the way down to where they are right now? No, look at the game they played against Clemson. I mean, they, you know, or, I mean LSU, um, they got killed, and uh, they you know they have no defense. I mean, you can't. The teams we're talking about in the top five are defensive-minded teams. That's why I put Florida ahead. Uh, Georgia right there. Oklahoma, I'm sorry. Oregon, no shot. You know, defense wins ball games. And the thing is, when we look at, you know, uh, th- this poll now, Florida is six in the AP. They're seven in the coaches' poll. Alabama is eight in both. Penn State is nine in both, which I don't necessarily agree with. Penn State went up four spots in the AP, three spots in the coaches' poll, playing a Mike Norvell-less Memphis team. Uh, Minnesota ends at 10, Wisconsin at 11 in the AP, 13 in the coaches, uh, Notre Dame 12 in the AP, 11 in the coaches, and and again, Notre Dame, top 12, top 11. Why? I don't know. They beat Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl, 33-9. Congratulations. Their season overall, you know, I mean, they lost two games. They lost to Georgia. They lost to Michigan. They defeated Virginia, who was ranked in the nation's top 25, and they defeated Navy, who was ranked in the nation's top 25. So they were, went 2-2 two and two against the top 25, but I don't agree with Notre Dame again. I feel like Notre Dame is always put high because of their history and the movie Rudy and whatever else is there with Notre Dame, but I don't see, you know, they can't say strength of conference because they don't have one. Uh, Baylor ends at 13 in the AP and 12 in the coaches poll. The one that took the, a giant dip, Utah had a chance, an outside chance. We didn't think it was ever going to happen, but they could have made the case for the college football playoff if they had defeated Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. 
Utah ends the season 16th in both the AP and the coaches poll. Did anybody else fall farther, in your opinion, than Utah? No, they really took a plummet, and deservedly so. That, that when they started playing better teams, they lost. And yeah. that just that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's an unexact science. Uh, it's it's strictly it's it's not a, it's, there's no qualifications there's no nothing you know it's just the way they vote and uh we certainly have to agree that lsu is the best team in the country when you you can drop actually you can put four or five guys behind them and mix them between two and six or seven and it wouldn't bother me at all but um because i'm a gator uh and their, their defense was so good uh you know they deserve to be in the top five and we look we look at the rest of this, and Papa Joe here with us this morning, speaking on College of Pro Football, inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Go bundle up at Charney's right now, Central New York's largest walk-in closet for men, with plenty to get you all dressed up for the winter weather that we're going to have for the next, uh, it's going to be a while, folks, where snow today, cold tomorrow, snow, 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 and then I think it's staying in the third. actually check for you right now, and I'll tell you, if anything has changed. So today is supposed to snow. Tomorrow, high of 17, low of 8, and it's supposed to be partly sunny. Snow on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And then from there, it's in the 20s and the 30s. And next weekend, we'll have snow once again. So make sure that you go to Charney's and bundle up right now. I, Papa Joe, a last part of the, the, the final polls of the season for the nation's top 25. Memphis, Navy, Cincinnati, and UCF all get ranked in the nation's top 25 in the AP and the coaches poll, but nobody gets higher than 17. Memphis is at 17 at 12 and two. Mind you, the only game that they, the game that they lost against Penn state, they didn't have Mike Norvell. So Memphis is at 17 Navy at 11 and two is at 20 in both polls. Cincinnati's at 21 in both polls at 11 and three and UCF on a quote unquote bad year to some is in is number 24 at 10 and three, four teams in the American athletic conference get ranked in the nation's top 25. Only one team from the ACC does in Clemson. What can you say about this? The American athletic has had two, three, four teams ranked in the nation's top 25 throughout the season. They end the season with four teams ranked in the top 25, but nobody in the media or the coaches put any of the American teams above number 17. Fair or not fair? Well, I think it's fair, and, and here's the reason why I think that. Um, first of all, they, they've done a wonderful job. Your man, Kenny, I can't pronounce his name because I love the guy. but he, Kenny Niamatololo, baby. That's your man right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, Daniel, if you watch the bowl games, if you watch some of them, uh, the talent level between the, the conferences is, is is quite, it's a lot. I mean, the, these teams that you just mentioned from the AAC, they're, they're wonderful teams, but they don't have the, the, they don't have the athletes to play with the big boys. Now, every once in a while, a boy just stay looking at a knockoff in Auburn or some, something like that. Some, someone will come in. Memphis did a great job this year. I'm not, I'm not disputing that they were good teams, but they're they're just a, they're cut below what we're used to seeing on a Saturday afternoon playing football. I mean, let, let, let's face it. None of these guys could even get in eighth place if they were in the SEC. I mean, it's just, it, there's, there's, and even in the Big Ten. The, the difference in the, in the athlete was is profound. Uh, and, again, I'm not slandering them. I thought they did a great job. Norvell knows what he's doing. He got out when it, the getting is good. And uh, now, now 
the crap's going to hit the fan. So uh, for those of you guys out there that, uh, that listen to Daniel about the conference, it, it's true. They're a wonderful team, but they're just not they're, – they're a cut below what we're normally seeing. Well, and the thing that's hard, too, is, you know, you have to win these bowl games. You have to continuously win these bowl games to, to state your case. And they did end the season 4-3 and three in bowl games. You know, they, they did end with a winning record as a conference. They were 4-3. and three. Tulane defeated Southern Miss. Uh, Cincinnati took care of Boston College. When we're looking at the, the wins that they had, you know, they, they had Navy defeated Kansas State in a close one in the Liberty Bowl. So they were able to get that victory. And then we saw, you know, outside of that Memphis loss, they scored 39 points against Penn State, but they didn't have Mike Norvell. And I think that that played a role in it. So that's kind of one that's hard to count because he wasn't there. Temple had a horrible showing against North Carolina, 55-13. to That's one that hurts the conference. A UCF defeated Marshall 48-25 to in their game. And then uh, Florida Atlantic just blasted SMU 52-28. to and that's one that, that hurts you as well in the grand scheme of things. But they end four and three, which I know they got a winning record in bowl games, which is which is a positive. But unfortunately for the American Athletic, you almost have to go seven and zero if you have seven teams in there. That just feels like how it's got to go because they have to play. I mean, it's like it's the same case with UCF inside of the conference. Unless they go perfect, people don't respect them, and even when they go perfect, people don't respect them. So. You know, I, I feel like having a winning record at the end of it all, if you're a Power 5 conference, that's great. But if you're the American Athletic, they're like, well, they were only 4-3. and three. So, unfortunately, it seems like there's a double standard. That's true. I mean, the, they played hard. They got they got good coaches. They're just they're just a couple notches below of the, the big guys. I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, that's the only way you can look at it. Uh, and you, you're always preaching about these coaches from – from that conference going to better jobs than other conferences, and it's true. Yeah. And Norvell's not going to be uh, any different. He's going to move right in and take over, and uh, he's going to have a winning record. And But they cut their teeth in the conference below the big guys so they can get to the big guys. That's, what's, that's what the problem is. Yeah, you know, and that's the hard part is they got to stick around if they want to see some changes made. These coaches got to – stay and Mike Norvell did for a while he stayed for four seasons but ultimately made the move to go to Florida State and now he's going to have to win and I, I have all the respect in the world for Mike Norvell I just hope he knows what he's getting into with a school that believes they should win a national championship when they've only gotten five or six wins in the last few years the war paint will be dumping Okay. Mary walking around the house here with her arm cocking like a little tomahawk here, so he better strap it up. Absolutely, and and before I let you go, Papa Joe, we we're looking at uh, one final thing here, and, and this is the strange thing: Odell Beckham Jr. was in Syracuse for the Syracuse Virginia Tech game just uh you know just a short while ago. He was sitting not too far away from me at the Syracuse game in the Carrier Dome, which made no sense. Well. He went to the championship game to the college football playoff, and he decided he was a former LSU wide receiver, current Cleveland Browns wide receiver, and he was seen on video slapping cash into the hands of junior of y, of junior wide receiver Justin Jefferson and his teammates and whatnot. Jefferson declared for the draft. Joe Burrow said that he received money from Odell Beckham Jr. Now, this incident could be a violation of NCAA rules because you're not allowed to accept cash if you're a player, according to NCAA bylaws. LSU's athletic department acknowledged that the money was not fake 
It was, in fact, real. And there was a statement that came from the athletic department that said, quote, initial information suggested bills that were exchanged were novelty bills. Information and footage revealed since shows apparent cash may have also been given to LSU student-athletes, end quote. We were in contact with the NCAA, oh, this is a further quote, we were in contact with the NCAA and the SEC immediately upon learning of this situation in which some of our student-athletes may have been placed in a compromising position. We are working with our student-athletes, the NCAA, and the SEC in order to rectify the situation, end quote. The NCAA did not comment on this matter, but once again, Odell Beckham Jr. being a moron, causing trouble, he has that smirk on it. He enjoys this. He enjoys being in this. And that's the thing that is that is absolutely positively ridiculous is he enjoys the camera. He enjoys the spotlight. He doesn't care if he's famous or infamous. He just wants people to talk about him. He was in my city. I don't know why. I'm happy he left now. But, you know, I, I look at... I look at I look at this and you know why compromise these players? Why put them in this position just so you can get on TV, just so you can, you know, people can talk about you again. He's one of the guys like Jalen Ramsey. Just talk about me. I'm lonely. Somebody pay attention to me. These are people that need help. When somebody's doing things for the sheer desire of just getting noticed, th- those are concerns for me. The look at me, look at me people, that's a cry for help. And I hope that he gets the help that he needs because Odell Beckham Jr. is not doing anybody any good by taking five seconds after LSU wins a championship and putting them in a compromising position where the NCAA could investigate them now. That's right. He's an idiot. He's an absolute flaming idiot. First of all, he should have never been in the locker room. I don't know how he got in there. Just maybe because he, quote, alumni, he didn't graduate from college. My goodness. You know, he's an idiot. And, uh, Unfortunately, Joe Burrow went on record saying, listen, I'm not a student athlete anymore. I took the money. Sure, that's fine. But the rest of the guys are going to be compromised. And the the, the, the school was put in a miserable position now. And yeah. there's no way you can get out of this. Uh, it, the, those laws were broken. Those rules were broken. They're put in there for a, for, a, uh, for a reason. And this idiot, because of his ultra ego, and most of these guys have an ultra ego to play in the, in the NFL, and they just don't think they can do anything wrong, and they think that they can just skate through life. Uh, well, I, I hope that he doesn't. I hope he doesn't put uh, Coach O in a team in a in a position where they where they look bad. And they just won national championship. They were smoking cigars, which is another stupid thing to do. But you know, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible situation, and I hope Coach O can get through it. Well, and that's the thing, too, is like, I mean, he's making it about him. You know, they won the championship. It's got nothing to do with you. But it's kind of like that guy that goes to the party that just so people can. You know, it's kind of like the guy that goes back to school wearing his Letterman jacket just so somebody will recognize him and go, oh, my God, you were so good when you played here. You know, it, it, somebody who needs so much outside satisfaction and outside love is in desperate need of loving themselves. And I have no idea what's going on with OBJ, but we know that he was a problem with the Giants. We know he was a problem with Cleveland. We know that, I mean, he just, it's not about you. This championship is not about you. This moment was not about you. And putting a team in a compromising position, again, making it about you. It's not about you. You were a part of something great. You got to go into the locker room and see what happened. But ultimately... It's not about you. 
So if you want to make something, if you want to do something, go to pre- go go start practicing. Go, you know, go get one of the ball machines and start doing drills and catching passes. Go lift, go run, go get ready because Cleveland, if you don't know Odell, you y'all suck this year. You didn't do what you were supposed to do this year. Now, granted, Freddie Kitchens didn't manage his talent well, but you're not playing well. The team's not playing well. The team's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You had enough talent on that team to arguably be the best Cleveland Browns team since you came back in 99 and maybe one of the better teams in history, but you didn't come through with it and you didn't win games. So why you're in Syracuse watching a game in the Dome, why you're throwing money around LSU's locker room when you should be training, watching film, getting better, maybe, you know, go on a vacation with your family. I don't know. But to be in the spotlight once again for a negative thing once again, when are people going to get it? Antonio Brown, Jalen Ramsey, okay, Johnny Manziel, Odell Beckham Jr. When it continues to happen and it's a perpetual thing, it's, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Get to know the understanding. Following the bouncing ball, Odell Beckham Jr. does not care about anybody but himself. At least that's what it looks like. And he's a, he's a man crying for help. He's a boy in a man's body who's jumping up and down saying, Mommy, look at me. And that is not what you need in your locker room after you win a national championship. True. True. I hope Coach Hayden gets through it all right. Me too. So with that being said, Ed Ogeron, he gets it done. He gets his championship. And you know what? This goes to show to everybody out there, let them make fun of you. You can't control it. Let them say what they want to say. You can't. My dad always said to me, people are going to say whatever they want to say about you. They're going to talk about you however they want to. Never give them a reason to be right about the negative things that they say. So in the case of Coach O, you know what? They didn't think you should be the interim head coach. They made fun of how you speak. They made fun of who you are. They didn't think you had it in you. And see how he responded. 15-0, he won a national championship. Dabo Sweeney, the runner-up, was laughed at in the press conference when he was named the head coach of Clemson, and he said, I'm going to turn this program around. People laughed in his face. So please, And Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. So please understand, folks, The people are going to say what they want to say. They're going to do what they want to do. But the only person that knows what is inside of you is you. And shout out to Coach O, Ed Ogeron, for taking all that negativity, all of that being made fun of, all of that backlash, all of that hate, all of that ridicule, all of that asinine, naive, ignorant speak and language and attitude and turning it into a national championship because he bought into himself, he banked on himself, and he cashed in this year. Okay, bud. That coming from PJ. We'll talk with you soon, brother. Okay, thanks. Good night. Take care. That coming from Papa Joe once again. Ed Ogeron, getting it done. Shout out to him. Listen, life is not easy. You will be made fun. The more you try to do, the more you're going to be made fun of. The more you put yourself on the map, the more you put yourself out there, the more people are going to have an opinion of you. The more people that know you, the better chance is somebody's going to be a jerk, right? It's probability. More people you get in a room, you get 40 people in a room, maybe there's one or two idiots. You get 400, maybe there's 10 or 12. That's just how it is. So the reality is Coach O was not supposed to be the head coach. Coach O doesn't speak right. He doesn't this, he doesn't that, he doesn't whatever. And look at what he has done. Look at what he has done. So keep believing in your dreams. Keep doing what you want to do. Keep, again, 
Nobody knows what's inside of you except for you. If you believe that you can be a good singer, give it all you got. You believe you could be a comedian, give it all you got. You believe you could broadcast, you believe you could be a flight attendant, you believe you could be a pilot, a teacher, an administrator, a head coach, a janitor, a lawyer, a doctor, a nurse, a cruise ship driver. If you believe in it, doesn't matter what anybody says, doesn't matter what anybody does. You're the only person that can stop you. No, Dan, they stopped me. No, their words and their actions attempted to stop you. You ultimately decide if you're stopped forever. That's your decision. People are going to say and do whatever they want to do, and you cannot control that. And the more you try to, the more you go down the rabbit hole, that's only going to bring you pain. Focus on what you want and focus on what you're after. Coach O, continue to coach. He didn't have a good start at Ole Miss. Three wins a season, four wins a season. He was at USC for a little while, did well. Took over as the interim head coach at LSU, 6-2. and two. Then he wins 9, then he wins 10, then he wins 15. He banked on himself. He believed in him. He could have quit. He could have quit. First season at Ole Miss, second season, third season. He could have said, you know what, I know I'm not going to get the starting job at LSU, so let me just skate off into the sunset. He never gave up on himself. He always banked on him. And he's 15-0 this year, and he's got the college football playoff championship to LSU for the first time ever. And he's about to send a bunch of fantastic players to the NFL. So... It's not hard to Google people that have been successful after hearing no, or you can't. Walt Disney, 700 no's. People upon people upon people said there's no way in the world that an all-year-round amusement park will ever be successful. And he's the richest dead man ever, in my opinion. So... Know that. Understand that. Whatever battle you're fighting today, whatever adversity you have right now in this moment, search deep inside of you. Don't search for the opinions and the thoughts of other people. How about Managing your expectations are hard enough. Managing the expectations of others is too much. You cannot manage the expectations of other people. You can only manage the expectations you have of yourself because their expectations will change and they live their own life. If you want it, go after it and do it the right way. Maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't, but at least you tried and at least you did it the right way. And Ed Ogeron, there was no guarantee he was going to be where he is right now, but he is. And I cannot be prouder of him as a head coach. Shout out to you, Coach O. Thank you for never giving up on yourself and being a great example to all of us out there that are fighting the good fight every day.